Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good Tuesday afternoon to you. Hope your day's off to a great start. Thanks for joining us on Sports for CLE. A little later in the show, Sam Amico from HoopsWire.com will join us. We'll talk Cavs, uh, what he's hearing about the third pick, and also are the Cavs involved in any trade talks. Uh, but we begin by talking Browns football. Training camp gets underway tomorrow for the Browns. Uh, no fans allowed until Friday, but they will have a full squad workout. Everybody out in Berea. And we are pleased to be joined by Browns beat reporter Dan Lobby from the Plain Dealer as well as Cleveland.com. So, Dan, the, the good news, news comes out, no players for the Browns on the physically unable to perform list. That means everybody's good to go for training camp. How important is that? I mean, it's huge to have the full, full squad together to not really start your year with any bad news. You, you know, there was the Jeremiah Usukoromo news, which I know we'll get to later, but just to have the healthy guys to know that Odell Beckham is good to go, Grant Delpit, good to go, Greedy Williams, good to go. It, it's just really encouraging to know that they're not going to have to start camp one way without some key players and then have to work them in. They're, they're going to be ready to go day one. And, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that. We kind of glossed over how banged up the team was a season ago. When you think Greedy Williams, Delpit, Beckham uh, missed pretty much, you know, almost the entire year. So th- those are guys that are uh, figuring to be starters or at least major contributors. Right, and, and then you factor in Miles Garrett, who got COVID and wasn't the same player. Even, you know, Kaderil Hodge, who won the third receiver job, he kind of was in and out of the lineup with some hamstring injuries, and, and I think they had plans for him. You lost JoJo Natson. I know that's not a big name, but that's still a guy that, you know, you were trying to do a few things with offensively. He was supposed to bring some life to your kick return game. So to be able to start off healthy, and this is a smart group, so they're going to make sure they keep these guys healthy. There's some injuries you can't avoid. But they're going to make sure you don't get a bunch of hamstring pulls. They're going to be cautious with the guys. They're going to take it easy because the, the goal is to have as many guys healthy, you know, in December and January, not necessarily, you know, put them through the ringer here in the next couple months. You want to make sure guys can stay healthy as long as possible. Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting in, in some of the, um, the rookie camps and, and offseason, we heard the players come out and say, we know that Kevin Stefanski and the staff isn't going to beat us up, which is it's kind of interesting to hear. We mentioned Jeremiah Uskoromoa on the COVID-19 reserved, restricted list, however you want to put it. Um, If he, in fact, is one of those guys that can't practice for 10 days, how do you make that up at the beginning of training camp? 
I think it's really challenging. I, I think for rookies, especially when you have something like this that keeps you away from practice, I, I think it's really tough to catch up. And I think, you know, Jeremiah Wusukormo, luckily he was there all spring, uh, starting in rookie minicamp and, and through OTAs, through mandatory minicamp. So he's got all of that. Uh, you know, he'll be able to at least work out. He, he said he wasn't, he didn't have any symptoms. So he's going to be able to at least work out on his own and stay in shape. But you do miss something, especially if he's got to not be out there for 10 days. If you had to choose 10 days to miss, I guess it would be these 10 because you're kind of ramping up and, and kind of getting physically ready to go for training camp in the preseason. But uh, we've seen this with rookies before where they, they pull a muscle or something happens and they just never quite get it figured out in time for the regular season. So I think it is a significant setback or at least potentially could be for Owusu Koromoa. Yeah, it's like old school before the, the rookie um... – uh, salary cap in the slotting it's like a holdout it's like no you and I remember what that used to do to some of the rookies you know and that's so that's um, the good news is smart guy but he's going to be playing catch up when he gets back yeah and I, I think that's a great way to look at it is, is looking back to when you used to have holdouts and the concern was always you know how much does it does it put this guy behind and that's a real competition there I mean Mac Wilson he knows that he's fighting for his kind of, I don't maybe not his football life. He'll probably get jobs elsewhere, but he's fighting for his job here in Cleveland, Taki Taki, the same thing. There's a lot of guys who are in here fighting for those jobs. And, you know, quite frankly, they're going to have an opportunity to get a leg up. So do you think that a guy like Jacob Phillips has an advantage now? Is there like a pathway for him to take advantage of it? I think there is. And I think there was a pathway for him to be a significant contributor even before this. But yeah, absolutely. This opens up an opportunity for him. Uh, you know, this is a guy that was work, working as the Mike linebacker a lot with the second team in the spring, at least when we were out there. And, and I think that's a, a way that they view him. But if you're going to get reps, I don't think you're going to be taking him away from Anthony Walker. I think he'll be on the field a lot. So you've got to be one of those outside guys. So uh, this kind of puts one less guy in the way of Phillips. And if he can come out and hit the ground running, He's got an opportunity, you know, him, Malcolm Smith, Taki Taki, Mac Wilson. Those four guys are all competing for that playing time alongside Walker. All right, so Doug Pound Daily has um, five storylines to follow at training camp. First one, offensive line depth. Um, what do you make of that? You know, I think that's a good one to, to bring up because – you know, I think Jack Conklin is a guy that that will may miss a game or two, right? He's that's kind of how it's been throughout his career. He's not he's not Joe Thomas out there. You know, he's probably not going to miss significant time, but you might have to replace him. Wyatt Teller, you know, last year was the first year that he was really an everyday starter, and we saw there were some injury issues there, and, and he had to miss a little time. So you got to have depth there. You drafted James Hudson. If he can become become your swing tackle, great. Uh, but they're going to have to find that interior guy. Nick Harris is on the roster. He, he's got to continue to establish himself as the backup center and potentially the center of the future. You know, they're very durable on the inside with, with Treader and Batonio. But those other guys, we just don't know if they're going to be able to play a full 17 games. So I think depth on the line is an important thing to keep an eye on for sure. And, and you know what? Last year they were plugging guys in, you know, in playoff games and they were playing well. So. Uh, points to them. All right, talent at the end of the roster. And again, this is a really, really deep roster. But they also value churning the bottom of the roster. I think that's one of the things that Paul DePodesta and Andrew Berry really value is this idea of, you know, when you have guys at the end of the roster, that's sort of where you can bring guys in and develop them a little bit. 
and kind of, you know, find a guy that can contribute here or there. Maybe it's on special teams. Maybe it's on the defensive side of the ball here and there. Maybe it's a receiver, you know, making two catches for you that really matter. I think the bottom of the roster, it'll be interesting because it is guys like, you know, I don't know if you consider Kadero Hodge like a bottom of the roster guy, but he's going to be fighting for a job. I think Rashard Higgins is pretty safe. I think Donovan Peoples-Jones is pretty safe. But I think what makes it interesting is, we're, you know, we're not talking about names people don't recognize. I think we're talking about guys who have contributed in the past. You know, Malcolm Smith, for example, he, he's got a fight to make the 53. So I think that's a really interesting spot to watch because it's going to be names that, that people know from last year and maybe even a couple years ago. Yeah, it's, it's what happens with a, with a good playoff team. It's uh, That roster has been upgraded. All right, third on the list, integration of rookies. And this one's going to be really interesting just because of the rookie class that's coming in. Yeah, and it's really those top two guys. And, and maybe Anthony Schwartz you throw into that mix as well. How do those guys all slide in and, and find their roles? Because, you know, I mentioned James Hudson earlier. If he plays a lot, that's not good. You, you don't want to see a lot of James Hudson this year. Demetric Felton. You know, I'm intrigued by him, but you don't want to have to rely on him, and, and you're so deep at running back. But, you know, how do you bring Greg Newsom in? If, he, if he's not the starter, how do you find opportunities for him to play? Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, who we talked about, if he's not the starter, how do you get him on the field, and then how do you expand his role? And then Anthony Schwartz is kind of the wild card in all this, all that speed, but how do you fit him in with this crowded wide receiver core and get him reps? Another thing that, that um, is on this list, the, the next one, the Baker-Odell connection. And again, I that might be number one. Yeah, outside of the camp battles, it's probably what everyone's going to be watching. Are those two on the same page? And it might be hard to tell, you know, until we get to real football games in September. But we're going to be watching how often those two connect. You know, if they connect a bunch, there's going to be nothing but great stories. If they're, you know, if, if Baker's throwing it over Odell's head or he's running a different route than Baker expected him to run, then there's going to be stories about that, too. So th- this is going to be ongoing until these guys get to September and until we kind of see whether they actually are on the same page or not in real football games. But, you know, outside of any camp battle that we can throw out there, I think this this might actually be top of the list. And the last one in kind of comes back to what we mentioned. No guys on the physically unable to perform list. So how do the players who are coming back from injuries look? And specifically Grant Delpit. You know, that's a that's a really interesting room because you've got John Johnson the third. We know what his role is going to be. Just write it in pen. He's going to be your free safety. He is going to play in the box a little bit. There's a lot of things he can do. He's not competing for anything. I think Ronnie Harrison has a real chance. If Grant Delpit starts slowly or if Ronnie Harrison is just better, I think he's got a chance to be that that second safety on the field. Now, we'll see all three safeties, but Grant Delpit's really the guy. If we're going to talk about guys coming back from injury that, that everybody wants to see and everybody wants to watch, Grady Williams, you know, I think – I don't want to say that's his job to lose. I actually think Greg Newsom. If I had to pick a winner of that competition, I would say it's Greg Newsom. But – Let's see how Greedy Williams comes back and and competes. That's another guy that you kind of circle and say, all right, you you basically lost last year. You got a a front office that didn't draft you. How are you going to respond? Dan Lobby, Browns beat reporter for The Plain Dealer in Cleveland.com. And I'm going to step aside, take a quick time out. With training camp set to get underway tomorrow, we'll take a look at what the Browns need to get done at training camp. And also what Dan's going to be watching day one at training camp. Sports for CLE will be right back. Stay with us. 
Life is starting to get back on track, and you can too. If you or your family have experienced financial hardship as a result of COVID-19, Tri-C can help with full tuition assistance. Safely get the in-demand degree or training you need with online and on-campus classes. Go to tric-edu to check out our programs and resources. So what are you waiting for? Register now for summer classes. Tri-C is where futures begin. When it comes to selling you a mattress, most retailers are handing you a line, a long line of extra steps that drive up costs and create confusion. At the Original Mattress Factory, we simplify the mattress shopping experience by building mattresses and box springs in our own local factories and selling them direct to you. It's short, sweet, and simply makes sense. So experience more than just a mattress store. Experience an original, the Original Mattress Factory. continue talking Browns football with Dan Lobby, Browns beat reporter from the Plain Dealer as well as Cleveland.com. So, Dan, training camp gets underway tomorrow, probably the most anticipated training camp in Browns history, at least for a long, long time. What do they need to get done? What do you need to see um, during this camp to make you feel, all right, let's get the games going? I think the first thing is what we've talked about. It's really just about getting through healthy. Uh, you know, they, they've got to make sure that they aren't overtaxing guys. Back in 2019, one of the things that happened, I really think, was they were in pads all the time. And I think guys started to wear down. And I think that affected them. So, you know, that's the first thing. Now, that's not really something you're watching, though. So, I think for me, it's about Joe Wood's defense. And what what is that going to look like? And how are guys all going to fit together in that defense? How much is he, are we even going to see? You know, the great thing about training camp is you've got to at least see something. They can't just hide everything. Practices are open. They've got to get stuff ready. They've got to play a game on September 12th. So, you know, that's really kind of what I'm watching is that defensive line rotation, how they put those safeties on the field. I, I think that's the biggest thing to watch in this camp, and, and I think that's the biggest thing that they have to get done is make sure that defense is installed and ready to go for Kansas City. Who is someone you can't wait to see actually doing football stuff then? So, you know, that, that facet of what, you, what are you watching um, out on the, on the practice field? I'm going to go with a couple of rookies. And I'm going to go with a guy we've already talked about. And unfortunately, it's going to be a little while till we get to see him. <laughs> but I really do want to see Jeremiah Usu-Koromoa. I mean, this is supposed to be that new breed of linebacker that the Browns envision. A smaller guy, faster, athletic. And I want to see... If he can check all of those boxes, I, you know, I want to see him on a day with pads and I don't know how physical this camp will be, but I want to see him on a day with pads or, or when they're going against the giants and those joint practices, I want to see him take on a running back in the hole. Those are things you want to see out of him. How does he stand up to that kind of physical punishment? 
And the other guy is Anthony Schwartz. We just haven't gotten to see that speed. You know, rookie minicamp was pretty slow. He had the soft tissue injury. I want to see just how fast he looks in person. The great thing about training camp is we're on the field. We're at field level. And this is the best view that we're going to get of these guys uh, as far as how fast they are, how big they are, all of that. And I want to see this world-class speed from Anthony Schwartz. All right, let's shift focus just a little bit. So um, J.C. Treader, Brown Center, is also the Players Association president. He wrote kind of a public letter yesterday, um, and there were a couple things that were interesting in it. First and foremost, no changes to the protocols uh, as far as COVID goes. They knew it was kind of a two-year window, so they didn't need to go back and do that. Also wants vaccinated players to be tested uh, more than they are talking about testing them. And then he was 100% against the wristband deal that would show vaccinated and unvaccinated players. When you looked at that, what did you take away from from J.C. Treader's letter out to the public? I think he was really upset at the NFL and its messaging. And as much as that was for, you know, a lot of us on the outside, I also think that was for a lot of the players, too. I think when the NFL sent out that memo, it just rubbed a lot of players the wrong way because it seemed to put a lot of the onus on if games are canceled on them. And the NFL has been very aggressive with not mandating vaccines, but making it very clear that if you aren't vaccinated, you're going to have a very unpleasant experience. And I think J.C. Treader, you know, even though I'm sure he wants the players to get vaccinated, he kind of wanted to pull that back a little bit and say, look, this isn't the NFLPA just going rogue and not listening to you guys and, and just doing whatever we want. This is the NFL trying to pressure people a little bit. And, and this is what we believe. These protocols aren't changing. We do want to get vaccinated players tested more often because of breakthrough cases. It was really just sort of taking control of that message back so that he doesn't get a, you know a bunch of players on social media or whatever kind of coming back at the NFLPA and not having the impression that the union doesn't have their back. Yeah, and again, um, well stated by J.C. Treader uh, as far as his case. All right, Pro Football Focus has war-adjusted injuries lost. So it's for, for the team. So wins above replacement adjusted for injuries lost by team from a season ago. So it measures the impact of injuries at a team level. And uh, for last year during the season, number one, the Browns. Number two, the Ravens. Number three, the Saints. Yeah, I mean, look, we talked about it. The Browns, they, they got hit with injuries. <laughs> and it was not it was not fun for them. And uh, again, even some of that was the COVID issues with, you know, Miles Garrett with the game against the Jets where they, they lost the receivers, to, almost all their receivers to contact tracing. And it almost cost them a playoff berth. Uh, in the playoffs, even, they were dealing with injuries. Joel Batonio didn't play. Uh, that wasn't an injury that was COVID-related, but he didn't play in that game. Jedrick Wills, I, I think a lot of people forget this. He left the Chiefs game really early and, and he didn't return. They were even losing backups. Chris Hubbard, who was filling in at guard when they needed him, he, he suffered a serious injury. So, you know, we didn't get to see the Browns at their healthiest last year. And Odell Beckham, we, we went through the list earlier. It's not surprising that they're so high on this list. Yeah, and, and again, um, all three of those teams were playoff teams. And the Browns, you know, won a playoff game. So, again, let's see if uh, – Fortune can reverse it as far as the injuries go, and, and they stay relatively healthy. Knock on uh, wood here. Yeah, but the other thing about the NFL is you know somebody's going to get hurt. You know, last year it was Odell Beckham towards ACL. You know there's somebody on this roster 
who's going to lose their season for whatever reason. Nobody wants to see it, uh, but it's just the way the NFL is. And there's, there's two things that are completely out of your control in the NFL that could dictate how your season goes. And that's the schedule and that's injuries. And you've got to find a way to get through that stuff. And I think Kevin Stefanski is really good at that. I think he's really good at making sure players are just focused on this is what we have and this is how we're going to do it. And I, so I think they have the right guy in charge to kind of navigate some of this stuff that you just can't control in this league. Dan Lobby, Browns beat reporter for the Plain Dealer as well as Cleveland.com. And I'm going to step aside, take a quick time out on the other side of the break. We'll hear what uh, an ESPN national commentator thinks Odell Beckham Jr. means to the Browns. Let's take a look at the wide receiver depth projection and some guys who are going to have to fight their way onto this 53-man roster. Sports for CLE. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Better days are ahead. Be ready with the training you'll need to get a great job. If you or your family has experienced financial hardship as a result of COVID-19, try seeking help with full tuition assistance. Whether you want to improve your skills, get certified, or train for a new career, go to tridesc.edu to check out our programs and resources. So what are you waiting for? Register now for online and on-campus summer classes. Tri-C is where futures begin. When it comes to selling you a mattress, most retailers are handing you a line, a long line of extra steps that drive up costs and create confusion. At the Original Mattress Factory, we simplify the mattress shopping experience by building mattresses and box springs in our own local factories and selling them direct to you. It's short, sweet, and simply makes sense. So experience more than just a mattress store. Experience an original, the Original Mattress Factory. The Ohio Lottery Partners in Education program recognizes role model students and teachers from across Ohio. Nominations can now be done completely online. To nominate a deserving teacher or student, go to ohiolottery.com. In the About section, find Partners in Education. There you will find links to the nomination forms. Students kindergarten through 12th grade can be academic all-stars. Teachers can be honored as a Teacher of the Month. The Ohio Lottery Partners in Education, where stars shine. Welcome back to Sports for CLE. We continue talking Browns football. Dan Orlovsky from ESPN's Get Up had this to say about how important Odell Beckham Jr. is to the Browns. It's a huge challenge. It's probably one of the biggest things. Once you, like, establish yourself as a good player to, to really manage that relationship, I would say this. When Baker or the play call comes in and it's kind of geared towards trying to get OBJ the ball and it's not there, throw the ball to somebody else, turn to your coach and say, call a better play. Figure out a better play for you to get me the opportunity to get that guy the ball because the best thing that I can do for our offense is to throw it to where the defense is not. You guys have all heard that saying, right? Take what the defense gives you. Well, sometimes they don't give you OBJ open, so that doesn't mean you force it. But it's hard because every day you're wa- – I used to have Reggie Wayne. I played with Reggie Wayne, and I used to, he used to walk by my locker, and every single time he walked by my locker, he would say, throw left. Reggie stayed on the left side of the field. All game. And he would say, throw left, throw left, throw left. And eventually you'd come to line of scrimmage, or I would, and I'd be like, I'm just going to throw this ball to Reggie. And it would end (laughs) up being a stupid decision at times. But you become so 
you know, believing or you believe so much in their talent that you're like, I'm going to force it to him. Baker, that's his biggest challenge this year. You cannot allow that to enter into your mindset mm. and impact the way you play the game. So, Dan Lobby, what do you make of that? It's been the story of Odell and Baker for the last two years. You know, does, does Baker try to force him the football too much? And, you know, here's the reality that Baker Mayfield faces this year. It's not just Odell Beckham Jr. This team has so many weapons, and these guys are going to want the football. Jarvis Landry is going to want it. You know, Kareem Hunt, when he's on the field, is going to want it. You know, Nick Chubb, he's going to get the football plenty. I don't think they're going to have to worry about that. Austin Hooper, David Njoku, Rashard Higgins, you know, Higgins and Njoku are, are in contract years. And it feels like Higgins is in a contract year every year. But, it, you know, again, it's real this year for those two guys. A lot of guys are going to want the football on this team. And Baker Mayfield is going to have to hand it out and sort through that and deal with it. And the biggest one of all is going to be Odell Beckham Jr. And he's just going to have to show the maturity and, and understand that, you know, Baker has control of this offense. He knows this offense. He knows how to distribute the football. And Odell is going to have to just trust that it's going to come his way when the time is right. Winning cures a lot of those things for those guys too, though. Um, All right, let's look at the wide receiver depth, and it's pretty significant. So uh, conventional wisdom, you think five or maybe six? What What are you looking at as far as how many wide receivers make this team? You know, I think they might have to go above five to get everybody they want because, we, you know, we know Jarvis and Odell are on the roster. I think this year, I just don't know that Rashard Higgins is going to be fighting for his roster spot. I think he is going to be on there. Donovan Peoples-Jones, sometimes we forget about him, but it's hard for me to think that they're going to cut Donovan Peoples-Jones or try to sneak him onto the practice squad. Kadero Hodge is a guy they really like. He won that third receiver job last year. And I think had he stayed healthy, we might be having a very different discussion about Rashard Higgins, to be honest. So, you know, I think Kadero Hodge is a guy they really like. I think he's a guy that Mike Prefer really likes. So now you're getting into, you've got to get Anthony Schwartz on the roster. You know, what do you consider Demetric Felton? Is he going to be on the roster as a running back or a wide receiver? I think six is the number. If they want to fit everybody they want on the roster, I think six is going to be the number. And that means JoJo Natson, who, you know, was a pretty good return guy, has to find a way to fight and earn a spot in there as well because you just, with what you named, you named six. And that it's a, it's a very crowded and deep roster, which, again, is, is great. All right, we're going to turn our attention to Madden rankings. They're coming out slowly. And um, we're going to begin with the spectacular catch rankings for the wide receivers. Uh, And you see DeAndre Hopkins and Odell Beckham Jr., both with 99 ratings. Adam Thielen, Diggs, Evans, uh, Jones, and you see the rest of the top 10. Uh, Hard to argue with giving OBJ a uh, highest ranking for the spectacular catch. Yeah, and with a few of these guys, but especially those top two, you can close your eyes and just think of, like, at least one amazing catch that they've made. Everybody knows the Odell one that he made with the Giants, but, you know, fans who are going to be back at training camp this year, they're going to see him work on those one-handed catches, and he's going to make some spectacular ones. DeAndre Hopkins, I think everybody remembers that. I think it was Christmas Eve or Christmas Day catch he made over Joe Hayden uh, a few years back when, when he was still with the Texans. You know, it's, it's not surprising to see Odell is still at the top of this list because he can make, you know, he makes the spectacular look easy. And what's funny is Jarvis Landry is kind of right there with him, at least when it comes to one-handed catches. He's made a lot of really tough 
one-handed grabs so far. It's fun to see those two guys at practice and fans going to training camp. First thing you should do during warmups is find 80 and find 13 because they're going to try and put on a show. Uh, the other thing, uh, Madden's speed rankings for wide receivers, and this one kind of opened my eyes a little bit. So Tyreek Hill, 99, I get that. Henry Ruggs at 98. You look at down at the sixth spot, and Anthony Schwartz, who has li- I mean, literally world-class speed, gets a 97. I mean, where do they rank Usain Bolt in this one then, too? But a 97, that's, right. that's, that's a tough grade for Anthony Schwartz. Oh, yeah, I'm a little surprised. I mean, this is a guy that was talking to us about maybe trying out for the Olympics at one point uh, to see him at 97. It's interesting, though, to look at this list, and I think it probably serves as, you know, maybe a you know cautionary tale isn't the word, but just a reminder that, you know, some of those guys, there's a little more to the game than speed, right? John Ross is incredibly fast, but he never stuck with Cincinnati, had some injury issues. Anthony Schwartz is going to have to develop a little bit and grow a little bit. I, I think this year... There might be some ups and downs with him, but I think they'll find opportunities to really use that speed. But the key with Schwartz is how does he develop as a route runner and all of those things. And I think we're going to see him grow as the year goes on. And, you know, they may bring him along a a little slowly. That could, you know, in in theory, uh, potentially answer what you do with that wide receiver group if if you need to, keeping in mind he's a a rookie third-round pick. All right, we're going to move on to the edge rushers, and this one's pretty good. The, the top-ranked edge rusher, according to Madden, Miles Garrett at a 98, so close to that uh, 99 club. Uh, Mack, uh, Khalil Mack uh, comes in second, and the Watt brothers, third and fifth, Chandler Jones sandwiched in between them. Hard to argue with uh, Miles Garrett being the top-ranked edge rusher, though. Yeah, I'm not surprised to see him there. When you just look at the ability. You know, we're, take away the numbers, take away everything else. Just look what he can do on the football field. He should be the highest-ranked edge rusher on that list. And I think he's poised to have that year where he finally has a real shot to win defensive player of the year as long as he stays healthy. You know, the bad news for Baker Mayfield when you look at that list is once you get past Garrett, the Browns have to face all but two of those guys this season. So he's going to be facing some really talented players. But I do believe Miles Garrett belongs at the top of that list. Yeah, I I absolutely would agree. Dan Lobby, Browns Beat Reporter, and I are going to step aside, take one more time out. On the other side of the break, we'll hear what a former Browns head coach thinks about uh, the Browns being Super Bowl contenders. Also, some power rankings just released today. We'll tell you where the Browns are on that list. Sports for CLE will be right back. Stay with us. When it comes to selling you a mattress, most retailers are handing you a line. A long line of extra steps that drive up costs and create confusion. At the Original Mattress Factory, we simplify the mattress shopping experience by building mattresses and box springs in our own local factories and selling them direct to you. It's short, sweet, and simply makes sense. So experience more than just the mattress store. Experience an original, the Original Mattress Factory. The Ohio Lottery Partners in Education program recognizes role model students and teachers from across Ohio. Nominations can now be done completely online. To nominate a deserving teacher or student, go to ohiolottery.com. In the About section, find Partners in Education. There you will find links to the nomination forms. Students kindergarten through 12th grade can be academic all-stars. Teachers can be honored as a Teacher of the Month. The Ohio Lottery Partners in Education, where stars shine. 
We continue talking Browns football. Former NFL head coach Eric Mangini on why he thinks the Browns are Super Bowl contenders this year. I really like what I'm hearing from Cleveland. And it's so different than the last time that they went to the playoffs and they had success. They're talking about uh, about managing expectations. They're talking about um, running their race. It's 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 humble. It's it's understanding that you don't get to start where you finish. It's so radically different than the last time they had success. And you hear uh, Baker talking about the importance of leadership and chemistry. It's so different than worrying about what, what the media is saying about him or his haters or, or whatever other issues he used to get caught up in. And, and even in Odell's voice, he's not talking about, I need to make 100 plays. He just wanted to, to make one play. And that that chemistry, that selflessness, that willing to, to sacrifice that perspective to me, that's the mark of a team that's that's maturing. Dan, I agree. Uh, I, I agree with everything Eric Mangini said, and I think that's from the perspective of a head coach. <laughs> yeah, and, and maturing is the right is the right word. And, and Mangini's a guy who, uh, you know, has obviously coached teams that you know he coached the Jets, I, I believe, took them to the playoffs one year. And obviously, Browns fans remember what happened here, but also was. Uh, you know, with Bill Belichick in New England, and he knows what a championship team looks like, and he knows what it's supposed to sound like and how they're supposed to approach it. And maturity is the key word. And the other thing he said there is Kevin Stefanski has made it clear what happened last year happened last year, and now it's on to this year. And, and like he said, you don't get to just pick up where you left off. Every season is different. Even Andrew Barry was saying that when we talked to him ba- way back in January. Every season is different. You've got to clear clear the deck and just start over. And that's how the Browns are approaching this season. And I think the messaging, I think messaging is really important. And Kevin Stefanski is really good at it, both publicly, but also I think with his players. So Bleacher Report has come out with power rankings um, and Buccaneers are one, Chiefs are two. That's not surprising. Bills are number three, Browns are four, Packers who will have Aaron Rodgers are five, and the Ravens are six. Uh, Again, I'm somewhat surprised the Bills are that high, um, but the Browns are also probably a little higher as well. Yeah, the Bills are getting a lot of love this offseason. I think people do believe they're going to make that leap to the elite. Uh, you know, I really like what they did last year. I really like Josh Allen. I just, you know, I, I don't know if I'm quite ready to put them that high. I guess I consider them in the same class as the Browns and and look, the Ravens too. I think with those three teams, you could put them in any order and make a convincing case that that's how it belongs. You know, you could say, well, the Browns didn't beat the Ravens last year. They, they need to beat the Ravens before I'm going to put them ahead of them. That's fair. You could just say the Browns are more talented. I think there's a real case to be made there. And then with the Bills, if you want to say that, you know, I think Josh Allen is going to complete 70% of his passes again and, and be great again. You know, that's why you put him that high. If you kind of want to wait and see to make sure he's actually that good, I think that's fair, too. So, you know, it's certainly not a hot take. I think you could put those teams in in any order and make a really convincing case for it. Yeah, I I would agree, absolutely. All right, so NFL.com projects the most improved player on each AFC team. I'm kind of scratching my head at this one. Grant Delpit. (laughs) I don't really have much to judge him by. He was supposed to be really good as a rookie. Yeah, I mean, if if you're starting from zero, I guess there's no place to go but up. <laughs> that one was a little strange. It felt like a little bit of, of a reach. You know, if you're thinking most improved player, 
What about a guy we mentioned earlier in, in like Jacob Phillips? Maybe he's yeah. the most improved. A, a guy that's hard to quantify, Jedrick Wills. He was really good as a rookie, but I think there's room for improvement. What if he takes a leap and, and really puts himself in that discussion uh, among some of the top tackles in the game? It, you know, I think that's a guy that I would look at. I, I think Grant Delpit, maybe a little bit of the easy way out on this, but certainly, look, if he comes out and, and he establishes himself as a starter and is the player they expected, then sure. But based on what happened last year when he didn't even play, he's going to be the most improved. Yeah, and, and again, um, Browns were expecting big things for him before he got hurt. And again, it's great to hear uh, that he's not starting in the year on the, on the physically unable to perform list. He's full go. All right, before I let you go, training camp gets underway tomorrow. Some under-the-radar position battle. So I'm not going to let you say Greedy Williams and Grant New- or, uh, Greg Newsom because we know that's going to be kind of 1A one, uh, one as far as the battles go. What are some of the under-the-radar uh, battles that you think are going on out in Berea during training camp? The, the one I keep looking at is that Delpit Harrison. I, I think that's a real battle. I think that's just one to kind of circle and say, eh, you know, maybe Ronnie Harrison wins that job. Because remember, when they drafted Grant Delpit, Ronnie Harrison wasn't here. And so those two never really directly competed. And I just want to see how that shakes out. We mentioned offensive line depth. I, I guess that's one to watch is, is sort of who steps up as your swing tackle, your, your interior help on the offensive line. Those obviously aren't real exciting battles to watch. Uh, you know, how about defensive tackle? You got Malik Jackson, you've got Andrew Billings. I think Malik Jackson probably ends up starting there, but I think beyond that, nothing is guaranteed because you have Jordan Elliott. You've got Malik McDowell, who's kind of a wild card in all of this, super talented, but has never actually played a game in the NFL because of off-field issues and, and injury issues. So he's really intriguing. There's some guys on that interior of the line that I, I think there's going to be a real battle there for who ends up as those starting two to replace Sheldon Richardson and Larry Ogunjobi. What do you think about the, the the third wide receiver? So you've got kind of Rashard Higgins, Hodge, who won it a year ago, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Anthony Schwartz. I mean, the third wide receiver, I'm, I'm just kind of looking at going, huh, if Anthony Schwartz finds a way to win that and, and and has a, you know, the type of camp he's capable of, that could be very, very interesting for this offense. I think that battle is huge. I think a lot of people just kind of look at Richard Higgins and say, okay, he's the third receiver. And look, the production he had last year merits him getting real playing time. But I think there's going to be a fight for who gets most, the most playing time there. And it might be the matchup game. There might be some weeks where you want Anthony Schwartz's speed. And there might be some weeks where you want Richard Higgins just kind of knowing where he's supposed to be, where you want Hodges' speed. I, there's a lot of different body types. Donovan Peoples-Jones is probably the biggest guy in that room, and that makes him intriguing. I think, yeah, that's definitely a battle that we're going to keep an eye on, that third and fourth receiver and who the Browns really start to trust in those positions because sometimes that's what it comes down to. Who does Baker trust and who does the coaching staff trust? Um, I lied. I got one more for you. How important <laughs> and how closely are you going to watch what they do special teams-wise? Because with good teams, inevitably, there's going to be one or two games that come down to, you know, field position, a punt that you return, a punt that you pin people back, a field goal that you make. How important are special teams and how much do they need to improve for the Browns to get where they want to go? I think it's huge. And, you know, Mike Prefer, we talk about Joe Woods. It's like Joe Woods on the hot seat. And I don't know if that's entirely fair based on what he had to work with last year, but it is a prove-it year for him. It might kind of be a prove-it year for Mike Prefer because the special teams weren't great last year. 
So outside of like a, a kicking battle and, and maybe how Jamie Gillen looks, we talk about the bottom of the roster. That's a way that a Kaderil Hodge could separate himself. You know, he can cover punts. He's a really reliable gunner and Mike Prefer really likes him. So that's a way that he can separate himself. At the cornerback position, Tavier Thomas was a core special teamer. They let him go. So now there's an opportunity for a cornerback like an A.J. Green or, or someone like that down the roster who can show Mike Prefer and Kevin Stefanski, I can contribute on special teams. That's your way to get on this 53-man roster. So it, it can be hard to watch sometimes at camp. And sometimes when, when Mike Prefer starts yelling and the special teams come on the field, everybody starts looking at their phones. But it's probably a good idea to pay attention to who's out there, who he seems to trust, and who could sneak onto this roster because of what they can do on special teams. Dan Lobby, Browns beat reporter for the Plain Dealer as well as Cleveland.com. Thanks so much for the time. Appreciate it very much. Yep, anytime. Thank you. All right, Dan Lobby, make sure you read them. Plain Dealer, Cleveland.com. They will be out there uh, covering training camp. Uh, we're going to take a quick time out on the other side of the break. We shift our attention to the NBA draft in the Cavs. Sam Amico from Hoopswire.com, straight ahead on Sports for CLE. For CLE continues, we shift our focus to the Cavs getting ready to make the third overall pick, or at least we think they will, in the draft coming up in a couple of days. Let's welcome in Sam Amico from HoopsWire.com. Uh, Sam, what are you hearing about Cavs? Any, any of the draft rumors true, and, and what are you hearing with the Cavs in the NBA draft? There is no shortage of talk and rumors with that number three pick. We've heard Everybody from the Oklahoma City Thunder to the New York Knicks to the Golden State Warriors to the Toronto Raptors, who have the fourth pick, all of them have supposedly called the Cavs to to uh, gauge interest in that number three pick, asking what it'll take to move up. This really is a draft that's kind of viewed as wild deep. The top three guys in Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley from USC, and... Um, Jalen Green from the G League, those three guys are supposed to be three real impact players uh, right away and long term. So everybody would like to to move up to to uh, get one of those three. But uh, the Cavs are very hesitant in any kind of those conversations and and, you know, moving out of that spot or moving back. So uh, right now, it, it seems like despite all the rumors and all the buzz, they will probably end up sticking at number three. And it really doesn't make sense because that's what they lack. You view those three as potential cornerstones, and who knows how that's going to play out. But that's what the Cavs need, that number one option that, you know, when the game's on the line, you can go to. And, and 
there's a reason. Not many drafts have three of them. Some don't even have one. So if you have one of those guys in your sights, you, you kind of hold on to that. That's exactly what they're thinking is that you, you want to find a guy who's going to push you uh, not only – if not into playoff contention, at least in contention to the play-in tournament. So that means one of the top ten seeds in the East. Uh, you want to be in that 10-11 range. If you're the Cavs, that's the next logical step. And really, three of those guys are potentially one of those guys who could do that, whether it's uh, you, you assume Cade Cunningham's going to go first to the Pistons, and then the Cavs are going to have left to choose whoever's left between uh, Jalen Green or Evan Mobley. A lot of mock drafts and a lot of insiders are saying that it's going to be Mobley uh, seven footer from USC reminds a lot of people of Chris Bosch, the way he can step out on the floor, has a nice mid range game, tons of athleticism, uh, pretty good, you know, pest near the rim defensively. So, and the Cavs like the idea of putting him at the four next to Jared Allen at the center, uh, and, and trying to make that work. And, you know, in, in a lot of places it might not work, but with Mobley, being the kind of guy who can play and defend power forwards, uh, it could work very well. So if they have Allen and Mobley on the court together, do you think that allows them to play potentially Sexton and Garland together? Because, you know, those are two pretty good rim protectors, you would assume. And, you know, the concern with Garland and Sexton, they're a little vertically challenged, we'll say, because you and I are both short guys, um, <laughs> that, that they can be defensive liabilities. Yeah, there's a defensive issues. There's uh, questions about as wonderful as Colin Sexton is as a scorer, is he, you know, where is he as a distributor? Uh, really, the Cavs say he's a shooting guard, but the, the truth is they play two point guards, uh, as you said, in stature, both Garland and Sexton, six foot, six foot one range, uh, you know, and, and Garland's more of a true point guard. We've heard all the talk that they've made Colin Sexton available right now. They're not getting anywhere with that. They're not pushing it. They've just kind of let it known, be known, you know, hey, if you have an offer for Colin Sexton, we're going to be willing to listen. And so far, those offers have not been real great, but that could change come uh, free agency or closer to the season once teams start getting their rosters a little more set. So, you know, the worst case scenario is you keep Sexton, and that's not a bad thing to do, uh, and let him continue to develop with Garland. The issue is uh, you're going to have to pay Colin Sexton here. He's probably the biggest name up for his rookie scale extension. He's going to want a lot of money, and rightfully so. The Cavs have made him the number one option in the face of the franchise since LeBron James left. So uh, there's a lot of things going on there with Colin Sexton. On the basketball court, could Garland and Sexton, you know, a, a guy like Mobley uh, assist them defensively? Absolutely. You know, Mobley and Allen back there protecting the basket would compensate for those uh, smaller guards. And Isaac Okoro, who really is a smaller, small forward and still learning, you know, how to play defense on the at the NBA level. When you look at some, and this is just your gut feeling, there's some talk that the Cavs are trying to get another top 10 pick. Do you think that's likely? If so, what would it take? Who, who do you think they're targeting um, to get that other top 10 pick? 
But you look at those three teams that I mentioned, the Warriors, or the Raptors at number four are really looking to move out of that spot uh, and really kind of return. You know, they just won a championship two years ago. Then the next season, they missed the playoffs entirely. So there are two seasons later, they missed the playoffs entirely. They're really looking to get back into contention. Uh, and they feel like they have most of the pieces. If the Raptors can't find a veteran player, so they would be a candidate for a Colin Sexton. If they can't find that type of player, then they would probably be more willing to liquidate the roster, move Siakam, uh, Pascal Siakam, who obviously is an all-star power forward, and, and, and kind of gut things and, and rebuild. So the Raptors would be a great candidate uh, as somebody who might move that number four pick. If you're the Cavs, though, you don't really necessarily want to move back in the draft. You want to keep that number three and try to get another one. The Warriors obviously have no desire to add a bunch of rookies to the team, and they have the number seven and 14 pick with Clay Thompson returning and supposedly James Wiseman, their center from last year, being healthy. Uh, you know, those guys coming in, the Warriors want to try to make another run at it. So they would be more than happy to uh, – liquidate themselves of that number seven pick uh, again they also have number 14 so those two teams to me would be the primary teams oklahoma city i think is exploring a lot of things they have called the Cavs. they have the number six pick i think that's possible they have six 16 and 18 i don't think that the thunder want to keep all three of those so maybe the Cavs won't get another top 10 pick but i think it's very realistic they could end up somewhere in the 15 to 20 range uh, with a second pick as well as the number three. Any any names to keep an ear out for that you think would fit that the Cavs might be looking at with that um, that pick mid uh, or or even you know at at uh, that six to ten range or middle of the first round. So much of what happens uh, or what that would you know consist of in the say the six to fifteen range even. There's so many guards and small forwards available there, and they're all considered pretty talented, but they're all kind of jumbled together. You know, you hear names like Scotty Barnes from Florida State, who is kind of a tweener forward, can play both small and power. Uh, you, you hear names like Keon Johnson, the guard forward from Tennessee. Uh, you know, you hear James Bonite, the shooting guard from Connecticut. All of those type of players really are almost positionless in that range uh and it's it's hard to tell what the Cavs might be looking for with somebody like that they could turn around and trade one of those picks if they get them too uh you know use as part of a, a sexton package or something like that but there's there's just so many talks and so many bu so much buzz going on if you ever saw the movie uh moneyball with brad pitt playing the role of billy bean like answering the phone putting a guy on hold answering another phone that is probably what kobe altman looks like uh, right now and will all the way up until Thursday's uh, NBA draft. Sam Amico from HoopsWire.com and I going to step aside to quick time out. On the other side of the break, uh, we'll talk a little trade, who the Cavs might be looking to trade for, what it might cost. Sports for CLE will be right back. We're talking Cavs and NBA basketball draft just a couple nights away. Life is starting to get back on track, and you can too. If you or your family have experienced financial hardship as a result of COVID-19, Tri-Seek can help with full tuition assistance. Safely get the in-demand degree or training you need with online and on-campus classes. 
Go to tryc-edu to check out our programs and resources. So what are you waiting for? Register now for summer classes. Tri-C is where futures begin. When it comes to selling you a mattress, most retailers are handing you a line, a long line of extra steps that drive up costs and create confusion. At the Original Mattress Factory, we simplify the mattress shopping experience by building mattresses and box springs in our own local factories and selling them direct to you. It's short, sweet, and simply makes sense. So experience more than just a mattress store. Experience an original, the Original Mattress Factory. continue talking Cavs basketball with Sam Amico from HoopsWire.com. So, Sam, let me, let me put this out there. Is there a chance that the Cavs could still make a deal for Ben Simmons of the Philadelphia 76ers? Absolutely. They're involved in those talks, have been involved, not given up on that idea. Uh, you know, Simmons is widely available. That would be a stunner if he's back in Philly next season. And, uh, you know, the Sixers are just weighing offers. There was a report yesterday from the Philadelphia Inquirer that, uh, as I said about Sexton earlier, the odds are Simmons would probably be moved closer to the season. Uh, Again, it just gives teams an opportunity to see what their rosters are like and what they still need to add and what they want to add and how they can add it. And I fully expect the Cavs to be involved in that. Um, you know, to me, it's just a matter of do the Sixers want Colin Sexton uh, because he would certainly be involved in that trade. You would think the Cavs don't want to give up Darius Garland uh, and the Sixers would want a guard in return. So the, the natural assumption is that it would be Colin Sexton. Uh, I, I think that, you know, you just have to if you're the Sixers, you have to weigh other teams offers but the Cavs are certainly going to make an offer and probably continue to do so the good news for them is if they really want uh Ben Simmons uh Sixers executive of basketball operations Daryl Morey's a Medina Highland grad and grew up a Cavs fan so uh maybe that will help facilitate a deal but uh sure they're they're involved in that they're probably looking at some other players as well they would love to add a veteran star, get the fans excited, uh, you know, get some buzz going. So I, I think that possibility exists. But Simmons in particular is a player that they are targeting. Would Okay, let's put it this way. Do you think Sexton, Kevin Love, because you have to make the dollar figure matchup, so Love would probably be included in that as well. So, Or you, I guess you could sign Sexton to an extension and do a signed trade. But do you think Sexton, Love, and a future number one that might be top five protected would get it done? 
it could potentially get it done. Uh, you know, it just depends on what other offers they are out asking for the Sixers. Everything I hear, they want an all-star guard in return. Sexton obviously not being an all-star yet, but certainly has that potential. Uh, maybe could shine on a winning team uh, like the Sixers. Certainly wouldn't be afraid to shoot in the fourth quarter and could shoot free throws better than Ben Simmons. You know, the questions with Sexton, if you're the Sixers, are going to be, you know, how much are we going to have to overcompensate for him defensively? The Sixers have some fine defenders in Thibault and uh, Danny Green, obviously, Embiid. So I would think that the possibility exists that if the Sixers don't get, you know, somebody like a De'Aaron Fox from the Kings, who I've heard is completely unavailable, uh, that, that they might go in the direction of a, of a Colin Sexton. You know, they're talking, the Sixers are talking to like four or five teams right now. They've been most actively talking to the Raptors, um, but the Cavs are in on that. So I think the possibility exists. The problem with, you know, you would want to throw in Kevin Love, but the problem is he really kind of hurt his trade value by having to withdraw from Team USA. And now, you know, opposing teams are worth thinking, hey, you know what? He just needs to be rejuvenated, come along, come come to our place, play along some alongside some stars um and and now they're having doubts that, about even that because i mean he's got a big contract still with two years and you know 60 million dollars left that's a big gamble so i think that the possibility exists yes that the Cavs could end up with ben simmons but uh i wouldn't call it a long shot i'd call it a medium shot i would say some other teams have a better shot at, at landing simmons than the Cavs do um, the other thing that we've heard is that the Raptors are interested in Jared Allen. Well, that kind of makes sense. What do you think the price, uh, what, what could the Cavs potentially get? Because um, it would likely be a sign and trade that can match any offer. So what do you think the yeah. Cavs get in something that, uh, that sends Jared Allen to the Raptors? Now that's something I would call a long shot, that Jared Allen going to Toronto. I think the Cavs would be you know, content just to match whatever offer the Raptors gave them and keep them. Uh, unless unless it was astronomical. If that were the case, the Cavs obviously would want a center or two back, uh, or at least a you know, a center and another big back. Um, you know, to me it's it's hard to speculate just because the Raptors have so much going on. They're probably gonna lose Kyle Lowry. You know, they've made Siakam available, they're trying to move the number four pick. Uh I, I, I think that Jared Allen is something that's kind of like on their radar or someone who's on their radar, but not, you know, somebody that they're really going to overly pursue simply because, you know, all they probably would be doing is driving up the, the asking price for the Cavs. Now, if it turns out again, that once free agency comes around in early August and they, they make some moves and they decide, you know what, we do need a big man. And they've been after Jared Allen for a while, dating back to when he was with the Nets, then yes, potentially they could give him a lot of money and more money than the Cavs want to pay Jared Allen. So uh, what they could get back, it's hard to say because you don't know what his salary is, but they would certainly be looking for one of the Raptors' primary big guys, which at that point the Raptors would be uh, willing to surrender. All right, before I let you go, some veterans uh, to, to listen out for that you think the Cavs could add in the offseason. Well, we keep hearing the name Doug McDermott from the Pacers, T.J. McConnell from the Pacers. The Pacers are probably only going to keep one or the other of those guys, and it's probably going to be McConnell because McDermott is coming off a great season, a very, very underrated season 
uh, and he may have priced himself out uh, of what the Pacers are looking to do. Another team there that's in on the Ben Simmons talks. Uh, so, and you know, the Cavs do not just want to add a bunch of young players. They do want to add some veterans and McDermott fits that bill. You know, he's a guy who come off your bench, give you quality minutes, open up the floor a little bit in terms of his ability to score, uh, does some underrated things defensively. So that's a name that that's really been linked to the Cavaliers. We hear names like Alex Caruso, the Lakers point guard, who's a free agent, depending on what else the Cavs do, you know, but you've got to fill out that bench with some veterans. You're, you're obviously losing Matthew Delavadova. You don't know how available Kevin Love is going to be, assuming, you know, he probably will be back because they won't be able to move him. Uh, so guys like McDermott, uh, TJ McConnell, Alex Caruso, all of those guys are in the Cavs price range. I'm sure that there's probably seven or eight other guys out there that are like those players that are just veterans who are going to come in and make the right play off the bench, help push the young guys uh, because the Cavs are going to have, even if they were to trade Sexton, even if they land Ben Simmons, they were, they're still going to have a very young core and a pretty young bench. So you need to find a way to get some of those older voices in there uh, and not just voices, but guys who can actually come into games and produce. Sam Amico from HoopsWire.com. Sam, as always, appreciate the time and the insight. Thanks very much. All right. Well, thanks for having me and keep an eye on that uh, number three pick. It should be an exciting draft. If nothing else, it'll be full of buzz. That's right. Cavs can get a building block, too. Sam Amico. Remember, uh, HoopsWire.com. You can read Sam, as always. Appreciate the time and the insight. That'll do it. For this edition of Sports 4 CLE scheduled guests tomorrow, Mac Robinson and Kevin Arnold. That's tomorrow at 4. Until then, have a great night, everybody. We'll see you again tomorrow at 4 here on Sports for CLE.